are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown! Welcome inside another crossover edition. It's the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. That means Locked On Packers, Locked On Seahawks. I'm Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers, joined by my friend Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. And, and we have a lot to get into today. A lot of quarterback talk, a lot of drama to get into, and we will get to all of that. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving community since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Corbin, this is a matchup that looks very different today than it did a week ago, looks very different today than it did three weeks ago. And that means that we have to get caught up on on the latest with everything for both of these teams. What is the latest with Russell Wilson? We understand he's going to play. Are there going to be limitations? Where are we with him? So I'm not going to go as far as saying he's 100% going to play. I mean, I would be stunned if he's not playing in this game, but Pete Carroll's been non-committal. It's your gamesmanship, coach speak, as expected. But uh, the very little that we've gotten to see, the first few minutes of practice on Monday and Wednesday, looks very comfortable throwing the football. He's not wearing a bandage or a glove over his surgically repaired finger. So he looks healthy. He's moving around well. And he's just, you know, you can make the joke he's bionic. But, you know, you look back when he had the injury, Mallet finger, dislocated finger, two separate injuries that are both significant. A lot of people thought, eh, he'll be out six to eight weeks. After three weeks, he gets his pin removed, and he's literally throwing the next day, which just is unheard of. So he's just a remarkable healer. and I'm not surprised by it because of what we've seen from him in the past. And He really is Iron Man. It's just it's incredible to see the commitment that he has to taking care of his body. We luckily haven't had to see that with injuries really very often. He had not missed a game until this. So yeah, a few weeks ago, if you and I were talking, I'd be like, man, I, I don't think the Seahawks are going to have Russell Wilson for that game in green Bay. And yet here we are. Russell Wilson is pretty much assured to start in this game, barring an unforeseen setback. And the Packers will probably have their starting quarterback, but similar situation where we don't 100% know, right? <laughs> yeah, and and Matt LaFleur, I, I thought it was remarkable. After the game on Sunday, Matt LaFleur said, if Aaron Rodgers is cleared next Sunday, he will play. And that was when I thought it was it was maybe 50-50, given the limitations in practice. I mean, he's he's not going to be able to take a, a practice rep this week. Um, he's going to have a ramp-up cardio period for three days before the game, before he can get back. And then on Saturday, he's going to have to go through a battery of tests. He's going to, it sounds like self-report symptoms. I, okay. I suppose like, I, I, I mean, maybe that's the best system. I don't, I don't seems like it's, it might not be, but that is the, that is the protocol. That is the system. He does not need a negative test to, to return. So um, I, I think all signs point to him being able to go out there. Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee journal Sentinel made the case. Hey, this is impractical. Don't put him out there after not playing a game in, you know, almost three weeks by the time that that Sunday rolls around. Put Jordan Love out there again. Don't risk Rogers' long-term health. The Packers are not doing that. They're they're going to play Aaron Rodgers. Um, but there is still the, the medical hurdle part of this, Corbin, that they have to figure out because Matt LaFleur said it in his press conference um on Wednesday. 
it's not his call. It is the doctor's call. And so they have to figure out with the medical staff, what they're comfortable with his cardio levels, you know, heart and, and lung health. We know professional athletes, these guys are, are professional top level athletes, guys like Jason Tatum, who had to have an inhaler after he had COVID and Dakota Dozier in Minnesota, just up the road. He was in the hospital, a vaccinated player in the hospital over this. So I don't think we can just take it for granted that he's 100% going to be healthy, but all signs point to that at this point right now. What, what else news wise do, do my listeners need to know about what's going on in Seattle? Well, they've got a few other players that might be able to play on Sunday that have been out, including Chris Carson and rookie D Eskridge. So the Seahawks could have a bunch of players back on offense. It'll feel like Christmas came early with those reinforcements coming at Lambeau. I mean, nobody would have thought Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers were both going to be available in this game because of Wilson's situation. And yet it might be the other way around. And it is fascinating that an unvaccinated player, Pete Carroll was talking about this a little bit today, that after 10 days, doesn't even need to have a negative test. And then right. he doesn't get tested for 90 days. And then Gerald Everett, who was vaccinated, missed two games because he had to have two negative tests in a 48-hour window. And then they couldn't get his test in time on the day of. And they had to change protocol after that. So it just seems like that is kind of a kind of a protocol that they're just working on on the fly. We had never been through this before. So it's understandable, but really the only other news, the only other key storyline for the Seahawks going into this game is their defense has actually been playing well going into last week's bye, the last three games. And granted, they were not playing elite quarterbacks by any means. Ben Roethlisberger is a shade of his former self. Mm. Trevor Lawrence looked like a rookie in the game they played a couple weeks ago. And Jameis Winston had 20-mile-an-hour wins and rain to deal with and was really inaccurate. Not a good day to throw the football. So this is going to be a litmus test for that defense, especially if Aaron Rodgers is out there as expected. But they're hoping to show we really have turned the corner. And it's a defense has given up a little less than 14.5 points per game their last three games. They came up short in two of those, but Geno Smith kept them in the game. The defense kept them in the game. They like where they're heading. Now they get a real challenge against this Packers offense. Yeah, and and for the Packers, they're they're dealing with with the, sort of the reverse problem because they got a bunch of their guys back last week, and now it is okay. Who can who can get healthy? Who was hurt? Eric Stokes. He misses last week's game because he gets hurt in warmups. Is he going to be able to go? He practiced in a limited fashion on Wednesday. Kenny Clark left the Chiefs game with a back injury. Luckily, he was back at practice doing more than, than expected. Kingsley Kiki returns, so that defensive front gets some reinforcements. And the big one is David Bakhtiari. He was activated on Wednesday. That is not a, a guarantee that he is going to be able to play on Sunday. Matt LaFleur said that there was a plan all along with David Bakhtiari. Did that plan change because of Aaron Rodgers? I don't think they'll ever give you a real answer on the truth there because, you know, maybe it's possible he would have played against the Chiefs if Aaron Rodgers had been out there. He was asked early last week, do you know if David Bakhtiari will play on Sunday? He said, yes, I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. So that that is par for the course with Matt LaFleur. He, we're not going to know I probably until... Probably until Sunday, probably until the inactives are announced if David Bakhtiari is going to play. And that is 
a huge deal for a Packers offensive line that had some issues against the Chiefs dealing with with the the blitz packages that Steve Spagnuolo put together. Um, There has been some issues with Royce Newman, the rookie guard, who was really impressive in camp, won that right guard job over Lucas Patrick, a veteran who, who played that spot last year and has been really pretty bad. Um, but out of 69 qualifying guards in the NFL so far this season, he has the 66th pro football focus grade. Um, it, he was, he was terrible against the chiefs and I know it's Chris Jones and, and they have some quality players over there, but he was, he was really bad. There are, there are a lot of ways that they could shuffle this, this offensive line and, and we're going to have to see what they want to do. If David Bakhtiari is back, if he's not, it's probably going to be more of the same and, and more of the same could mean issues for green Bay. I mean, that's just, that's just where they are with this at this point, this episode of locked on Packers and locked on Seahawks is brought to you by our friends at McDonald's proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect a place where classmates can meet for a study group, knowing there's dependable Wi-Fi and endless supply of French fries and McFlurries. Diet Coke also, please. Thank you. From the fountain, win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, home team, and away team can come to recharge. And it's a place that you always look forward to stopping at a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel, especially if you're in the mood for apple pie. Come on now. Uh, and McDonald's is just a place for me, at least, to get something to make me feel good. I need a little pick-me-up. Let me just run to McDonald's. Let me just get, sometimes you just need fries and a a soda. Let me just run through. I don't need to have a whole meal always. Great opportunity to just just grab and grow. So head to your local McDonald's, refuel and reconnect. Somebody say locked on Packers, locked on Seahawks watch party. Sounds good to me. I'm loving it. Today's episode also brought to you by GetUpside, an app that everyone who drives needs to know about because they will pay you to get gas. Seriously. Listeners are getting up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cent per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making two to $300 a month in cash back. There's no catch. The cash goes right back into your account. Cash out anytime. Bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, Amazon, whatever you want. You're already driving. You're already paying for gas. Why not get paid to do something you were already going to do? And when you use the promo code touchdown, you will get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on that first tank. All right, continuing our crossover special here, Locked on Seahawks, Locked on Packers. I'm Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks. Glad to be teaming up with my buddy Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers. Always a blast when these two teams get together. They have the weirdest games when they get together. That NFC Championship game years ago, some of the regular season matchups they've had have been back and forth. When they play when they play at Lambeau, I swear the Seahawks, their offense just doesn't show up till the third quarter. They never do. And they're going to be hoping to buck that trend this week. But let's talk about a few matchups that concern us with our respective teams going into this game. And we'll start with you and the Packers on offense. I mentioned this the first quarter. The Seahawks defense, they're still middle of the pack in a lot of categories, but they've really made strides 
over their last three or four games. And, and going into the year, everybody knows they've got talent. They've got three or four all-pro caliber players, but they weren't able to put things together early in the season. What matchup concerns you the most when you're looking from a Green Bay on offense perspective? Yeah, for me, it's it's this Seahawks run defense because um, they, they have always been able to, even, even in the Legion of Boom days, they could always lock down the run. And it was an underrated part of what they were able to do. Bobby Wagner and, and all those guys in the middle of the field. Right now, the Seahawks 11th in rush defense, DVOA. And if if you're the Packers, the, the reason, one of the big reasons the offense bogged down against the Chiefs is that run game, Matt LaFleur just didn't stick with it. And they, it was working. And when teams can shut down the Packers run game, that's when the passing game can get, they, they press a little bit. They, they fall in love with these empty sets. And then all of a sudden you've got breakdowns. You've got uh, protection busts, just flat out busts in, in protections, not even on blitzes on four man rushes sometimes. And so that is the thing for me offensively where I'm going every week running the ball is so central. Even if you're not going to run it more than you throw it. And I wouldn't advocate that, especially with Aaron Rodgers and especially with the matchups with these cornerbacks. And that's something that I'm sure we'll get to is if if Seattle is able to keep A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones in check and make the Packers offense play left handed, especially with Rodgers coming off COVID with Devontae Adams working his way back. He did not look as explosive on Sunday against the Chiefs as he had the rest of the season. He's coming off COVID. That would that would be a major concern for me. If, if we're going to stay with that side of the matchup defensively, where are you looking and going, man, I don't know about this. It's going to be ironic. I, I'm concerned about the running backs. You're mentioning the run defense. I, Seattle's actually not – the last few weeks they've been better against the run. They did really well against Alvin Kamara, held him to 2.6 yards per carry. Yep. The Jaguars averaged a little over four, but they had to stop running the ball. And James Robinson got hurt. So Seattle was in control early in that game. It put the Jaguars in spot. They couldn't run the ball regardless of what they wanted to do. So the run defense has gotten better, but they've also been atrocious defending screens, particularly to running backs. And so I really worry about, I don't care who's playing quarterback. Matt LaFleur could play quarterback in this game <laughs> and dump the ball off to one of those two running backs on screens. And it just looks like the parting of the seas half the time. And then the Seahawks can't run any screens themselves. So you use the word screen. It's like a curse word around Seattle. So I, I'm worried about that dynamic duo they have just because it's two totally different style running backs that can both catch the ball. They can both do damage as runners and receivers. And I just worry, especially in a game where it's going to be a little cooler, potentially have 15 mile an hour winds out there. Running the ball is going to be imperative. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on Wagner and Jordan Brooks and Daryl Taylor, their Sam linebacker. Those guys are going to have to be able to cover these running backs and they're going to have to be able to sniff out screens, something they've really struggled to do all year. And I feel like if the Packers stick with the run game, Seattle's front line doesn't have a ton of depth in the interior they can get worn down pretty quick. So you might view the run defense as something that, that concerns you. Uh, the same thing can be said for me on the flip side, looking at the Seahawks. And I also worry about that screen game, getting the running backs involved as receivers in general. Seattle near the top of the league in yards allowed to running backs as receivers. And a large part of that's been because they have not been able to defend screens to save their lives most of the season. On the other side, I, I'm looking at this, this Packers defense and going, okay, if Eric Stokes can't go, 
You've got Kevin King, who had one of his best games as a Packer, I thought, last week against the Chiefs. He's actually been very good in limited time this season. He is a, a favorite of fans to just absolutely uh, attack. He certainly has been someone that I have uh, had plenty of critical words for as well. But the Packers have been sixth defensively in explosive plays allowed. Seattle is fourth passing the ball, generating explosives. That is the thing that I am, even though the Packers are good at it and good at preventing explosives, that is the thing. No question that I'm most concerned about with this defense is DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett being able to get down the field and create. I mean, we see it. It seems like once a game, one of them catches an 80 yard touchdown. It is just unbelievable how explosive they can be. The thought of them with Odell Beckham Jr. as well is, is terrifying. Um, and, and so like I said, even though the Packers defense has been good at not allowing those big plays, they're just so scary with those skilled players, with Russell Wilson's ability to extend. For, for me, he is the best deep ball thrower I have I have ever seen. He's unbelievable with the way that he can he can create touch and distance down the field. It seems like every time he throws a deep ball, it just lands perfectly in the arms of the intended receiver. And so even though, again, the Packers defense has been really good at this, it is downright terrifying to face Russell Wilson with those guys and the way that they can create down the field. Yeah, if we were talking about matchups that we're excited about, favorable matchups, even though the Packers have limited those explosives, if they do not have Stokes in this game and they're down to having Sullivan playing on the outside and then they got Kevin King, who he might have played well, but he has been a player that the Seahawks have picked yep. on before. So that would be a matchup I'd be excited about. The problem is is Russell Wilson going to have the time to be able to get the ball downfield and take advantage of those corners? Dwayne Brown, father time has hit him pretty hard this year so far. Yeah, Six sacks, I believe that's tied for the most by any tackle allowed in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. And you watch the film, it's been pretty bad. It just has not looked anything like his typical self. He's 36, so maybe it is just an age-related thing, but he hasn't looked right. Really, since week two, he started off pretty strong, but he's had his issues with speed and power rushers. Brandon Shell's been maybe a bit more consistent, but he's had ankle problems, and he's still not 100%. Had full participation on Wednesday, but he's still not fully healthy. So got to wonder where he is at right now. I would worry if I'm the Seahawks about, are you going to have the time to be able to get those deep balls to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, if D. Eskridge played in this game, another guy with 4-3 speed that can win vertically, maybe Odell Beckham suits up in this game. We don't know what's going to happen there, but those weapons are going to be meaningless if Russell Wilson does not have time to be able to get drop back in the pocket and be able to scan the field and get those throws downfield. And I worry about Rashawn Gary with the 40-plus pressures he's got this year. can win with explosiveness and power. You can move him around. And I think this could be a game where Preston Smith, who has honestly been pretty disappointing statistics-wise this year, he has killed the Seahawks, though, in the past. So I worry about him off the edge as well. Just given the way the tackles have played, if Kenny Clark plays in the middle, sounds like he's got a chance to play on Sunday, worry about that as well. So the pass protection in general, are you going to be able to keep Russell Wilson upright coming off of an injury to allow him to have time to get the ball downfield? That is clearly the most concerning matchup to me from the Seahawks on offense standpoint. You're not going to be able to do your bread and butter if you can't protect your quarterback. This episode's brought your way by Bet Online. They're back and they're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. They've got more props 
odds and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Make sure to head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Whether it's basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, you name it. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So these these Packers Seahawks games, even when they seem like they're out of hand, they end up not being out of hand. Both of the last playoff meetings have been that way, where where the Packers have jumped out to a lead. The Seahawks came back. Now in the, in the most recent one, they did not come all the way back, but it still took, as you mentioned, a Preston Smith sack late in the game to seal that one. That was a terrific game. That was the last time I was in a press box in an NFL stadium because that was the last game that I that I went to pre-COVID. And so uh, this is this is exciting to see all these guys back out here again. In terms of keys, Corbin, what do you have your eye on here to say, okay, if if Seattle can do this thing or if Seattle can't do this thing, this is this is this is the moment. This is the pivot point for this game. You just mentioned the slow start. That has been chronically an issue in Lambeau Field. Russell Wilson's had some of his worst games in his career against the Packers on the road. I believe it was the 2016 season that he threw five interceptions in a game there. It might have been four, but I mean, it was one of the worst games ever had. And maybe one of them was his fault. The receivers were just having balls bounce off their chest and off their hands. And then the Packers were opportunistic and making the picks. The Seahawks, if they want to win this game, and this is especially critical when your quarterback's coming back from an injury, you got to get Russell Wilson in rhythm early, get him comfortable. That falls on offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Don't go out there thinking, let's just take our shots right now. Sometimes they get way too shot happy. Get some easy throws, whether that means booting Russell Wilson out of the pocket or having a uh, one or two step, let's just unload it, run some dig routes, some slants, a screen. I mean, I don't know if they can run one successfully, but something <laughs> quick to get Russell Wilson comfortable in his first game back and then Lean on the ground game as well. You hope to have Chris Carson back. Alex Collins has played well in his absence. You got a couple third down backs that can run the ball well when they need to. Lean on your ground game a bit. Get Russell Wilson comfortable and get off to a fast start. They can't afford to go out with zero or seven points in the first half as they've done so many times in Green Bay. If they do that again, I can't see them winning this game. I'm not saying they need to score 30 points in the first half, but they need to have a competent offense, which honestly they have very rarely done in the first two quarters when they played at Lambeau field throughout the Pete Carroll era. Before we get to my side of this, can I just ask you a quick question about Shane Waldron? Because this was a big topic of conversation in the off season that he was going to come in. He was going to bring some of this Shanahan McVay elements that Russell Wilson had a hand in, in, in those conversations of bringing in Shane Waldron, you're going to get him on the move. It's going to be boots. It's going to be play action. There's going to be those shot plays, but you're going to have some of the built-ins, the checkdowns, the easy stuff. They were going to make the job of playing quarterback easier. Have you seen those differences? Because I'm going to be honest. I thought the offense would look more different this season than in years past. Really watching this Seahawks offense, and part of it's been they've had a backup quarterback the last three games, but 
watching the Seahawks offense has felt like you're a little kid looking through the, the store window and thinking, I want this really bad and you can't have it. And you saw the offense you were thinking you were going to see in week one, where there was tons of pre-snap motion and tight ends were getting involved. The run game was working quick pass game, 21 points real quick in the first half. And then ever since that game, even when Wilson was in the lineup, the next four games, a lot of that stuff just kind of went away. And I don't know how much Pete Carroll has to do with that. Has he been meddling with stuff? I, in this case, don't know that that's been the case. Shane Waldron's a first time offensive coordinator. So you got to wonder if he's just gotten away from some of that stuff that worked so well in that season opener. But ever since then, it's been dangling behind that glass at the store. And you're just like, I want that so bad. And it just it hasn't happened. You're only you're getting teased with it. And so maybe Wilson returning from injury now will start to see some of those wrinkles they wanted so badly come back into play maybe this weekend. But to this point, it's been disappointing, to be honest. All right. So let's, let's get to, to, to my key. And it is a little bit, I think of recency bias because of what we saw against the chiefs, but regardless of who's playing quarterback and I'm building in the 5% chance that it's Jordan love and not Aaron Rodgers, But I think it's, it is just as important for Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be coming back after a long layoff because Devonte Adams has not looked like he's hundred percent. And that is protect, protect, protect. And the Seahawks are fifth worst in adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. It's not like they have uh, dynamic pass rushers one-on-one who can win consistently the way that, say, Chris Jones can. It's not to say that they have bad guys. They certainly have some players who are capable of heating up the quarterback. But they just don't have that sort of virtuoso talent that you have to be planning for game in and game out. A lot of it is done because you're able to free up Jordan Brooks on a blitz or Jamal Adams on a blitz. uh, Jamal Adams is the best blitzing safety since I don't know who, maybe, maybe like Leroy Butler. Um, And, and, but they need to, to do that to create the pressure. And if the Packers can block that up, I think they can take advantage of a secondary that I frankly is going to struggle to match up with the Devontae Adams struggling to match up with, um, Aaron Jones split out in the backfield, those kinds of matchups that to me, that is, that is the game. If you can protect the quarterback in this game at home, then you have a great chance to score enough points to beat this Seahawks team. It's sort of, I sort of feel that way every week. So it feels like a little bit of a cop out, but after seeing what we saw against the, the chiefs, when they blitzed on 50 plus percent of snaps, they got after Jordan love. I don't know that you're going to see Seattle take the same approach, but I do think Seattle is going to have to be a little bit more aggressive um, than some teams would like to be against Aaron Rodgers to create pressure and how Green Bay handles that with some some flux on the offensive line. That's the key to me. Yeah, that would be my second key for the Seahawks on offense, the fast start defense. You got to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And I don't like the idea of blitzing 50% of the time because even though Seattle's corners have been better as of late, uh, they're still not like an elite pairing of corners or anything. So you don't want to put those guys on too many islands with the weapons that the Packers have, particularly Devontae Adams. But you just look at the fact that Aaron Rodgers is averaging 4.4 yards per attempt this year when he's pressured. 
Uh, there should be an emphasis on we need to get in the backfield and we need to get after him. And Jordan Love, absolutely, you want to get after the young quarterback. So pressure, consistent pressure, not even necessarily sacked, but they got to find a way to get consistent pressure regardless who playing quarterback. And if they're able to do that, then I like Seattle's chances. A fast start and rushing the passer, you team those together, then Seattle might be able to finally, for the first time since I was nine years old, win at Lambeau Field. Well, and if, and if they're going to have a chance, it's going to be, you know, in part because Aaron Rodgers is coming back um, with, with, you know, the, the health issues, is he going to be sharp? Is, is he going to be on the same page with Devonte Adams with, with Marcos Valdez Scanling, who, by the way, he has not really been on the same page with all season. They're not going to have time in practice this week to work on those connections. And so I think there are, there are some real questions about that. Now you bring David Bakhtiari back. If he plays in this game, this this may all feel silly because it's just gonna be like, yeah, they're gonna be a really good offensive line. If David Bakhtiari is back, Elton Jenkins moved back to, to left guard. That moves John Runyon Jr. maybe to, to right guard or Lucas Patrick to right guard for Royce Newman. And and now you've got five guys you feel really good about. But but again, that I think I think that's the game. And and if there's anything else that I think is is really pivotal here, it is the play of the Green Bay safeties. And that dovetails with with what I was saying earlier about explosives. You can't get caught peaking. You can't get caught on double moves. And and though Green Bay plays a lot of quarters, they're going to play a lot of single high to bring Adrian Amos in the box. And that means Darnell Savage back there trying to give help to Russell Douglas, who's probably going to start a corner if Eric Stokes can't go. You've got Shannon Sullivan in the slot, Tyler Lockett opposite. You know, he's going to have to play well. So you're not getting DK running, you know, buck naked down the field on, on a play action shot play. That's going to be on someone like Darnell Savage or an Adrian Amos. And if those guys play well, and they've been, they've been playing really solid. Darnell Savage was awesome last week against the Chiefs. I mean, you watch the tape. He is flying around. This Packers defense has been playing so fast. But playing fast and playing against fast guys, not always the, the same thing. And in fact, you can often use that against a defense, a fast defense, because you can get them flowing the wrong way. Theoretically, that's part of what the Shane Waldron offense um, would want to do. As you said, we just haven't really seen it so so much to this point. Um, but it's going to be a great game. I, I'm, I'm really excited for it. It's Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. What more could you really ask for? And make sure you're you're checking out Locked On Packers and Locked On Seahawks on Monday when when we break it all down. Corbin, this was great, man. I appreciate you. Can't wait for the game. Then when these two teams get together, it's always a roller coaster. And I don't think it'll be any different on Sunday.